Amen. That's good worship, wasn't it, church? Amen. Don't you feel sorry for all those folks on the lake? Hmm? They could have been here, and they missed it, you know? Amen. Isn't it good? It's good to have Laura back singing, isn't it? I told her this morning, I said, Laura, you could sing a whole lot more if you quit having babies, you know? <laughs> so we're good to have you back, sis. All right. Let's take our Bible this morning, would you? And turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, okay? In a few moments, we'll read some verses from Colossians chapter 3. Let me tell you where, uh, where I'm at uh, on, on, or where we'll be the next several weeks. Um, about a month ago, God began to stir my heart on the subject of peace. I wasn't sure at first why I began with prayer kind of thing, and um, the more I prayed about it, and the more it seemed like when I would read scriptures, things would seem to pop out a little bit. And uh, the other day, a couple, about a week or so ago, God just seemed to impress upon me that we as a faith family need to take the next three, four weeks or so and talk together on the subject of peace. Um, and let me tell you what my goal is, uh, my hope anyway, is that over these next several weeks, that the scriptures will help us deal in areas of our lives that may be in conflict, okay? Now, gang, I, it could be that your conflict is finances. There's a lot of financial challenges today, and maybe that's what it is, okay? It may be some, some health-related issues. That's part of our family, my wife, and something we wrestle with, we struggle with. I want you to know that it's an incredible burden for us to carry, and that may be part of what robs your peace, is, is the, the health-related. It could be relationship-driven. My goodness, uh, I've never seen people at each other's throat, husbands at wives, wives at husbands. I, you know, it seemed like increasingly uh, people are calling, having those kind of little spats that actually are wars within. And that may be, may be what's going on. It could be, it could be something else. It's a war without that robs your peace within. And whatever it is, uh, God can handle it. Now, let me just be upfront with you. Uh, we may not be able to handle your particular issue, okay? Uh, I don't know that I can. Uh, it's yours to carry. You can't take care of my wife's health. God can. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can take God's scriptures, and we can take some of the principles we find in scripture, some of the uh, uh, commands that we find in scripture, and we can apply them to our particular issues, and God might help us as we work through them, as we labor through them. Uh, God might give us strength to handle the things that we have to handle, okay? Now, I want to read to you something. We're going to put it on the screen. As I was preparing for today, I came across a statement that just gripped my heart. And I, I wanted you to look at it, and I want you to, to read it with me, or read it as I read it, or look at it as I read it. Pressures in life can reveal hairline cracks in our character that would have been invisible in more comfortable conditions. Think about that. Pressures in life. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me, okay? So you have to kind of identify what that is. Pressures in your life 
could easily be hidden. You wouldn't know anything about it, perhaps, without the pressure revealing it. And the fact of the matter is, when pressures in life reveal those hairline cracks in your character, which we all have, right? Then it forces us to have to deal with them. You can't just waddle through. You see, gang, when your peace begins to shake, or maybe you might say it's not shaking, Tom. It's, it's crumbling. It forces us to deal from a truth perspective, which ultimately drives us to the Word of God because the Word of God is our foundation of truth. You're not, gang, you're not going to get truth on the O'Reilly factor. And you're not going to get truth. Of course, I like the guy sometimes. You're not going to get truth in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You're not going to get truth in most of the places you go for to find some kind of comfort. We find truth from God's Word. But it's not just reading those words. It's taking apart the words. And then it's pouring them back into our lives and applying them and making adjustments that we have to make if we're going to get some kind of sense and strength out of it. Okay? Now, let me tell you what I... Here's where we're going to be going. Today, we're going to be in Colossians, okay? Chapter 3. Next week, we're going to go to Romans chapter 5. And I want to, I want to talk about peace from a theological perspective, okay? Justification by faith, the first fruit of that is peace. And we're going to talk about that next week, Okay? The next several weeks after that, we're going to make a beeline to Philippians. And we're going to talk about peace with self. So many believers, they just are not at peace with themselves. So they can't be at peace with anybody else. Then we're going to take a week and we're going to talk about peace in relationships. Uh, marriage, kids, jobs church we're all god created us to live in relationships did you know that right primarily with him of course but with each other and so i want to talk to you a little bit about that and then i will probably conclude with peace and circumstances that come upon us i'm going to address that a little bit this morning okay you remember when when jesus was about to leave he knew that his departure was going to cause a lot of trouble and fear, consternation to his disciples. And so in those last chapters of John, right before he gets ready to, to leave, he, he tells them, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That word trouble that he uses there is a word that, that means agitation. It can be a word that pictures the rolling of waters, tidal waves, uh, the rolling. And, and, and I want to tell you, I, I don't know. If you get to heaven before me, ask them. But I think maybe when Jesus said that and used that particular word, they immediately grasped. Because the picture of that is in Mark chapter 4, 
when they're out on the Sea of Galilee and a Uquila wind comes and the waves are just beating the boat and they think they're going to drown. And, and Jesus, as you know, he's not really worried about it since he created it all. So he's in the boat sleeping. And he, they wake him up, hey, Jesus, man, it's bad out here. There's a storm and we're going to die maybe. And he says, why are you so fearful? Why are you having so much trouble? I think when Jesus said that, they immediately thought of the storm. And all of us are, have storms. You may be in a storm or getting ready to go into a storm. Your waters are always going to be rolling of a nature. And so we've got to apply some scriptures to that. Later, Jesus in the same chapter, John 14 said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart, again, same word, troubled or fearful. And so I submit to you that over the course of the next four or five weeks, what you're going to hear from me repeatedly is that it's God's peace and only God's peace that helps us in a world of hurt, okay? Now, we're going to begin in Colossians. Uh, actually, today is a summary of everything I'm going to say, so we're starting at the end, but that's how God kind of shook this out for me, okay? I don't know if you were back, if you were here with us last week, uh, but Kyle preached to us. Uh, he didn't say that. I, let me just say, I don't know if he's here. He was in the early service. He, his wife may be out right now, but uh, aren't you glad, huh, that we have a student pastor that believes the Bible? Hmm? Uh, Kyle, are you here? He's fired. <laughs> he used to be here. He used to be here. Aren't you glad we used to have a student pastor? <laughs> I think they're going somewhere. It's holiday. Uh, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Aren't you glad we have a student pastor that, <laughs> that believes and teaches the Word of God? Well, if you were with us last week, Kyle mentioned that we Christians actually have a battle that we fight every day. And the battle is that, are we going to live in the flesh, or are we going to live in the spirit? Now, I'm going to tell you something you already know, but don't you know that when you are granted eternal life, and God chooses you to himself, at the moment of that conversion experience, the Holy Spirit, young people, comes to live within your heart. We call it the indwelling Holy Spirit. And from that point on, Every moment, every day, every moment of every day, young people, you have a choice to make, just like we who are believers in Christ have a choice to make. We can live by the flesh. That's called the old nature by some. Uh, it's the old man Paul talks about in Colossians. It's the Tom part of my life. And it ain't pretty, okay? Because when I operate by Tom, I'm not a really good guy, and I'm not a good person, and my temper is short, and my patience is short, and everything else that goes into the self-life. And I can choose that if I want to, the old man. Or as a believer in Christ with the Spirit of God, young people living in my heart, I can live by the Spirit of God. I can submit myself, yield myself to the 
Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul in Colossians says, lay aside the old man, put on the new man. The idea is putting on a coat. Put on this new man, okay? And as we put on the new man, which he tells us because we're chosen of God, we should, it helps us live properly. In fact, here's what he's going to say, and we'll read it in a moment. As you put on the new man, you should put on a heart of compassion and kindness, Tom, and humility and gentleness and, yeah, that word, patience and bearing with one another, not beating one another, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Gang, listen. He tells us to forgive one another. Nobody's ever done anything to you that, that's greater than what you did to Christ. What did he do? He forgave you. Giving unconditional forgiveness is what God calls us to do because that's what God does. And Paul said, put on forgiveness toward one another. And then, but of all things, put on love. And the word he uses there is a word that makes no difference how they look or how they act or how they dress or how they smell. He says, put on love. And then at the end of chapter 3, which we're going to dig, dig out just for a few moments, he gives us three summary statements. And that's what I want to deal with this morning as we kick off this series. Okay, would you stand with me? Let's read. Let's, I was going to start in chapter, verse 1. I think what we'll do is, is verse 12. Then I'll share with you the outline we're going to follow. And then we'll try to dig a little gold. Okay, Verse 12, chapter 3 of Colossians. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Why? Well, on the same basis as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond, beyond all of these things, put on, cloak yourself, put on the coat of love, which is the perfect bond of union. You can't have unity if there's not love. You with me on that? And then here's the statements we're going to look at. Number one, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then he says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Father, I pray you'll bless the reading and the preaching of your specific revelation to us and help us to go to you and not the world for peace. A peace that sometimes passes all understanding, but it's a peace that was manufactured in heaven, given down to us from you. 
Bless these few moments in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks. Be seated. Keep your Bible open. Let me, let me give you the outline we're going to follow, okay? What do, and here's the question, maybe. What does it take for us to have peace in a world that hurts? In a world of hurt, what does it take? Well, verse 15 is going to tell us that Christ's peace must rule, must rule our heart. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. His peace, not your peace, his peace must rule your heart. Verse 16 tells us that Christ's word must dwell with us. And I want to talk to you about that word dwell for a few moments, okay? And then number three, Christ's name must fill. That word fill, I might, I, as I, after I wrote the sermon and sent this stuff to Stu, I said I should have said uh, control, but I didn't want to go back and change anything. So I, I said, well, I'll just insert control. So Christ's name must fill our control, and we're going to see that in verse 17. All right? All right, let's look at verse 15. The peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule, circle the word rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body be thankful. Now, there's an objective truth and a subjective truth that, that plays out here, okay? Objectively, we must know that Christ is Lord of our life if we're going to have his peace ruling us, okay? Now, like I said, we'll deal a little bit more with that next week in Romans 5, but I want you to, to be clear here, okay? For Christ's peace to operate in your life, you have to be his, and you got to know that you are his without any doubt, without any wavering. Next week, I'm going to tell you that the first fruit of justification by faith is peace with God. Now, gang, I'm telling you, if you're not, if you're not saved, forget it. But if you are saved, but you're living like you're not saved, then you're not going to have God's peace. If you're living in a way that makes you unsure about your life, you're not going to have God's peace operating in your life. Let me give you a, a page of my life history. Back in my late 20s, when God was beginning this process of grabbing hold of my heart, and I'd been so bad for so many years, and, and God began to grab my heart, I went to my pastors, and I said, man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm a miserable, miserable guy. I ain't got any peace in my life. I don't know that I'm saved. And one of those godly men met with me for a period of time. And he said this time, I don't know whether you're saved or not. And, of course, he added, you don't act like it. You don't talk like it. You don't smell like it and all that kind of stuff. He didn't have to say that, but he did. And I said, but he said, I can't answer that. But I can tell you this, until you get that settled, your life, your family's life, and everything about your life is going to be out of kilter. And so over a period of a weeks, I finally was able to, God allowed me to finally go back to that little moment in, in time when I was a young child, when, 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 I, when I understood the call of God on my life, it went forward, and, and that's when things began to change. I'm telling you there's a theological thing here, gang. If you're not saved or you're not sure you're saved, or if you're saved and you're living like you're not saved, I can tell you you're not going to have the peace of God operating in your life. It ain't going to happen, gang, because God can't encourage you and give you his peace when he's convicting you all the time 
because of your sin. And now there's an objective thing here too. Notice Paul says, in your hearts. Well, what is the heart? Well, theologians tell us that in Scripture, the heart's not the pumping organ, but it's the seat of our emotions, and we call that the soul. And the soul is the real you. The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. The influences and the attitudes that you have when you're faced with trouble is because of the soul part of you. And so when you're faced with real issues, first thing you got to do is you got to engage your mind. You got to think right. What am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? You've got to feel right, the emotions. Why do I feel this way? Why am I defensive? Why am I convicted? Why am I miserable? So you, you engage your mind, you engage your heart, and then the will is a volitional part of your life where you make some, maybe drastic, but you make some decisions about your life. I'm going to get, I'm going to transfer my mind and get it in gear. I'm going to transfer my heart and get my feelings in gear. But I'm going to choose to do that which is right. See, parents, that's what you do to your kids. Have you ever said to your, what in the world were you thinking? Why, why did you explode and they didn't, may not say dummy, but that's what they're... Dummy, why'd you do that after all? That's the soul part. Paul says that if you're going to have the peace of Christ, the soul has got to be engaged. Now, notice that word rule. Literally, that word rule means umpire. I've been watching the, 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 the girls' softball championships. And man, that one umpire yesterday, he ticked off both coaches. She did. And boy, they let her have it, you know. You know what an umpire is? It's the person who's wrong half the time, right? <laughs> and the Bible tells us that the Word of God should play umpire. It, it, you could translate arbitrator, okay? So when trouble comes, if you're thinking right, feeling right, acting right, it's at that point that the peace of God then begins to umpire what's going on. And he'll give you the peace you need in the situation you're in. That, gang, that's just the way it works. Let me add one other thing to that. Peace is not the absence of pain. Peace is the presence of a person in your life. Everybody has pains. Some of you ladies are saying, yeah, I married a pain, Right? Everybody has pains. I don't know what your pain is, but here's what I promise you. You got a pain. And if I'm expecting to have peace because I don't have any pain, I'm living in fairyland. It doesn't work that way. Peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of a person in your life, and that person is Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, master of your life. And so the first thing, if we're going to make it in this world, we have to have the peace of Christ umpiring, okay? Number two, the word of Christ dwelling. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, the word dwell, 
is a word which means to be at home, to be comfortable. Have you ever, uh, have you ever, when, when we were younger, we would visit a lot. Back then, you visited family a lot. Have you ever been in a home that when you come in, the first thing you do is kick off your shoes, untuck your shirt, and you look for the head of the home's recliner, and you go in and you sit in the recliner and you just kick back, and man, it's like you were born there. It was like you were supposed to be there all of your life. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? But then you go over to cranky Aunt Sue's house. You know what I'm talking about? And you, you walk in. I, Polly used to just freak out because she was afraid Jeff would start swinging from the chandeliers, you know, or touch the glass table there and leave a fingerprint. And the whole time you're there, you're thinking, I need to leave, or I can't wait till we leave because I'm afraid we're going to break something or someone's going to be mad. Well, God didn't want to live there. God wants to dwell here. And it's the word of God that must be comfortable. You see, the word of God should never just sit on a shelf, gang, and collect dust. If you want to live with wisdom, if you want to impart instructions, if you want to challenge others, if you want to worship in spirit and truth, you better have the word of God here, dwelling, living comfortably with you. Now let me add to you something. You can read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, but you cannot dwell without the Holy Spirit. You understand that? A lot of people read the Bible every day and it means nothing. It's like reading the newspaper. But when you begin dwelling and the Word of God's dwelling richly, which means overbounding in you, then all of a sudden the Word is taking root in your heart and things are changing and God is changing some things in your life. And gang, I have to, you, you, most of you, I, I, I don't have a very good memory and I'm not a very smart person. And, and so I can't, I can't read five, six chapters. I don't know what I read when I do that. I, I, I check it off. Man, I read five chapters a day. I'm super spiritual. I don't even know what I read. And so I, all I can tell you, I told this, told, mentioned this to you before. Here's the only way it works for me. I, I have a little journal that I jot down a few things, and then I read a chapter of the Old Testament, and I think a little bit about what that chapter said in the context. Then I go to the New Testament, and I read a chapter in the New Testament, and I think about what it said in the context. And then I, I, I read a psalm to worship. I read a proverb so I can maybe act a little better during the day. And that's about all I can digest. Now, some of you, are, some of you can, can read five, six, seven, eight, ten chapters. Now, let me just tell you, that's not all I do, but that's my morning quiet time. That's part of what I do. I want to be able, I figure if I can get a little bit out of that one chapter, that's a lot better than reading ten that I didn't get anything out of. Does that make sense? I don't know what shakes out for you. I don't know what works for you. But I want to tell you, it's got to be something that you can digest so it richly dwells in you so that you can get what God's trying to come and tell you and help you and guide you and adjust you. In the olden days, when a king was at his residence at the castle, 
they would raise a flag, and the flag would, would show everybody that the king is in residence. Let me ask you a question. Is the flag raised at your home? Hmm? Is it richly dwelling with you? Is the flag raised in your heart? Is the word of God richly dwelling with you? You see, if the peace of Christ is not ruling and the word of Christ is not dwelling, you are having problems and you may not even understand it all. And so Paul tells us those two things, okay? And then number three, look at verse 17. Because the name of Christ should fill us or control us, however you want to say that, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. God, Christ's presence should rule. Christ's word should dwell. But Christ's name should fill our life. Did you guys notice something in our worship set? That toward the end, as Laura began to sing and Stu began to sing, Jesus, Jesus, did you, under, did you sense that there was a change maybe in your heart? Isn't it amazing when the name Jesus or the dwelling on the presence of Jesus, when he takes control, isn't it amazing how things begin to change? You can, be, you can be in a mall, and you can say God, or you can say this, but I can tell you, if you say Jesus, you know what happens? Everybody stops, and everybody looks, and everybody's wondering, you know why? There's something about the name of Jesus, folks. There's something about the name Jesus. And as he fills you, and as he controls you, he changes you. Now, I want you to look at verse 17, the first word there, because it's an important word. Whatever. Circle that word, whatever, okay? Because if we're going to have Jesus' stamp of approval or Jesus' stamp on our life, we have to understand what that word whatever means, okay? And here's what it means. It means in a very practical sense that you and I don't control our circumstances. He alone does that. He brings into you what he wills. He does what he wants. He allows. If you want to be theological, you can say God does it or God allows it. I don't really care. I'm not a theologian. All I know is that God's in control of it all. And whatever means that I have no control over circumstances, God has that. And so as God allows or brings or directs or controls whatever, my job is to understand and flesh that out in my life, realizing and knowing that God is in total sovereignty. Sovereign. He's controlling all the affairs of this world. Beloved, every bit. Furthermore, God is controlling all of the affairs of your life, whatever comes from him. 
And so you and I must respond in his name. And his name carries all authority, all power, all ability. Everything we say or do must be done in his name if we want to make it in this world. Now, I want you to go back because I want to close with a thought that you might have missed. Okay, let's read 15, 16, and 17 one more time. And then let me point out something that's easily missed, I think. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Did you catch something that's easily missed? Paul tells us that in all things, we're to be thankful. Look at verse 15. Be thankful. Verse 16. With thankfulness. Verse 17. Give thanks. Beloved, whatever you do, wherever you do it, however it shakes out, whether you're on the mountain or whether you're down in the valley, the Word of God commands us to give thanks in all that we do. I want to close with a story. I... Uh, I have some friends from DeWitt here. And uh, when I was in DeWitt, every Saturday, every fourth Saturday, I had the privilege of, uh, of going down to Cummings Prison to preach. I, it was just a wonderful fourth Saturday of my life for years. And I got to meet uh, some wonderful Christian prisoners. Some of the best Christians I know are in prison. Some of you probably should be there, you know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just really good people. Uh, when I started going down, I was introduced to a guy whose name is Hutch. And I said in the first service, Hutch was as, as, as big as Steve Arndt or Roe Garcia, big guy. And uh, I got to know him, and, and I just fell in love with the guy, and he was the leader of the Bible thing down there. So as I got to know him, he began to tell me his story. And... Uh, He's, he, he's in prison. He'll always be in prison for all of his life because he, he knocked off a bunch of people. He killed a bunch of them. Back when he told me that, we were alone, and I thought, oh, gee, what am I, you know. I'm not the tallest guy around here, you know. And, uh, but he began to tell me his story. And guys, do you know that apparently in prison there's a hierarchy? And so he controlled the, the prison. I mean, I realized he wasn't a trustee. He wasn't a... Uh, guard, but he controlled, nothing happened without him. And uh, people were afraid of him, and he was a mean guy. And in God's wonderful providence, the Spirit of God grabbed hold of his heart and saved old Hutch. And man, it was radical. He went from here to here to leading the group down there. And he told me one time, he said, you know, he said, um, not long after I was converted, uh, there was this power play thing, and I had already relinquished, or was in the process, but this guy who wanted dominance, uh, alpha male, I guess, maybe, uh, came up and just slapped the fire out of me. And he said, for a moment, 
I was going to grab him and break his neck. But he said, the spirit grabbed me. And he said this. He told the guy, he said, a year ago, if you'd have done that, he said, I would have reached my hand in your mouth and I'd have ripped out your tongue. But he says, I'm in love with Jesus now. And I love you. Again, it might be easy for us to say we love each other, but Hutch was a bad dude. The peace of Christ was ruling. The word of Christ was dwelling. But the name of Christ was filling. And he was a different God. If we're going to make it in this world, if we're going to make it in a world of hurt, then we better have peace. And peace comes from God. I want to ask you this this morning. In fact, would you bow your heads? We're going to have a, a couple go get ready for baptism. But I want to ask you this morning, is the peace of Christ, is the word of Christ, is the name of Christ directing your life? And if not, maybe this is the day that God would have that happen for you. Maybe today what you need to do is realize that you're a sinner before God and you need to be converted, you need to be saved, and you need uh, to repent of your sin. And by faith, you need to embrace the Savior. Maybe that's your day. Maybe today is your day, like it was one day years ago for old Hutch, you know. Or maybe you've been so caught up in selfishness, that old flesh part, that you've not been walking in the Spirit. Maybe today it's time to put on the new man. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. And Stu will lead. And if you have a decision, I'd encourage you to come. Just You know you need to if he wants you to. If he doesn't want you to, don't you dare. But if he does, we'll do what we can to help you. Father, in the name of Christ, I thank you for the word of God. Oh, God, I thank you. Don't leave us the way we were. I thank you for that. And that's called grace. And I thank you for grace. Some today may have forgotten that. Maybe they need to be reminded. Or maybe today there are some that need to receive your grace for the first time. Whatever, God, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Come, let me invite you to come right now.
Let's continue to worship as we prepare for baptism. Stu, sing another verse of that for us. stinking cool. Uh, God's doing a really, really neat job, a thing in the life of our, our teenagers and our college and single, young single adults. It's so cool what God's doing. And today we have two that want you to know that they've given their life to Christ, that they're born again believers in him. And they're following him publicly and not ashamed. Isn't it good for young people to unashamedly 
follow Jesus. Isn't that cool? This is Haley Beck. If you're a family member or a loved one with Haley, would you stand up? Good. There's Mama and Little Daddy taking pictures. Haley, because you've asked the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, forgive your sin and save your soul, baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're a friend or family member of Garrett Writings, would you stand? Isn't it amazing that God saves teenagers? Amen. <laughs> He's already squatting. Not yet. Here, because, because you've asked the Lord Jesus to come in your heart, forgive your sins, save your soul. I'm honored to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your daddy. Your daddy told me I... I, if I, I could hold them down a little longer, and I said, it, it costs you 10 bucks to do that. <laughs> hey, it's good to have you today. Family that came for this, we appreciate you coming. Guests, good to have you. Uh, have, a, have a great, safe Memorial Day weekend. Read Romans 5 for next week, and tell someone that you love them, because Jesus loves you. Amen. God bless you. Before you go, gang, I'm sorry, I want to introduce to you some folks who uh, who came this morning, and we want to My welcome bad. them. That's all right, John, no problem. <laughs> I want to introduce to you some folks that have come this morning. Jeremy and Tandy, would you come and stand right here by me? Jeremy and Tandy, they've been coming to our church for a couple of years now, but they know that this is where God has placed them. They know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and so they come today officially. Uh, to uh, be a part of Indian Springs Baptist Church. And I know that all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So before you go out that door, I want you to come around and welcome them and let, you, let them know how glad you are that they're at Indian Springs. I can see you. I can hear you.